Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. It's good to see you. We're going to um, look this morning um, at a particular passage of scripture, which we'll get to in a moment. But before we do that, I want for a moment for you to imagine to get our imaginations running, and to imagine that you are going, right, this week, you're starting a new, maybe a new evening class at college or something. There's something you want to learn. So for the purpose of entertainment, we're going to go to a, a, an evening class of how to build a space rocket, right? That's what we're going to do. We're going to go to an evening class at Preston College, one night a week, and we're going to build over, over 12 weeks how to build a space rocket. So you go, you take your notepad, you take your pen, you make your notes, you've got the book that you need to read the material. But then one week, the, um, the instructor there says to you, without understanding what I'm going to tell you this evening, you're not going to understand anything else that I'm going to tell you over the course. Okay, can you imagine if you said that? I think our brains would suddenly perk up and thinking, hold on a minute, if I'm serious about this, I think I need to pay attention tonight. If nothing else is going to make sense... <laughs> Without what I'm going to hear tonight, that's when our ears should think, right, let's listen. And you get ready and you listen to it. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a passage where Jesus essentially says this to us. He says it in the Word. He says, if you don't understand what I'm telling you now, he essentially says you're not going to understand the rest of it. You're not going to understand anything else. So I think that is a good clue this morning that we need to try and tune in and hear what Jesus is saying. He says, without understanding this, you're not going to understand all the rest of it, right? So you might want to do all the rest of it, but this is key this morning. That's what I think Jesus is saying. And the other phrase that he uses is one that we read in the Bible a few times. Here, where Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. I heard that growing up and it was one of those, well, it sounded a bit daft really. Well, what does that mean? We've got ears, well, of course we're hearing. But Jesus says, quite intentionally I think, whoever has ears, let him hear. Here. Now, in church, you've seen even now this morning, we could just look around the room and you can see there's different things that we do to try and help in 2017, where our attention spans maybe aren't what they were in the past, to try and help us to listen and to engage. So we've got screens where we have, you know, the the scriptures come up or a little graphic just to engage our brains a little bit. I've got a, a microphone so we can hear well. We've got some nice seats where we can sit on, some coffees knocking around, a bit of cake. You know, we're all comfy, nice heating not too hot not too cold hopefully so we do all these things to try to help us engage with what is happening that's 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 the goal but Jesus says that it is possible here that we hear but we don't really hear you know you might be sat there you might be looking at me right now but it's possible from what Jesus says that you can hear without really actually hearing It's like he's saying that having ears and hearing are two different things. So this morning, we're going to ask the question, um, are your ears connected to your heart? Are your ears connected to your heart? And we're going to be looking at this, um, obviously, today and kind of going to be carrying through to next Sunday as well. So this is kind of a a sort of a two-part, a loose two-part series. But are your ears connected to your heart? And the passage of scripture we're going to look at is found um, in Mark chapter 4, it's found in, in three of the Gospels, I think. And it's a story or a parable that Jesus told that we may be familiar with. And it's the parable of the sower. But again, I just want to recap. Jesus said at the end of this passage, he said, if you don't understand this passage, 
what I'm telling you now, how are you going to understand anything else that is said? Verse, verse 13, if we, just, if we just hop forward to verse 13 quickly so you can see it. It says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Okay, so this is important. We might have read it before. We might be able to reel these things off by heart, but this is an important thing for us to look at. And in many ways, right, with this, this is different to what sometimes what we read in the Bible, because here we're going to read the Bible, we're going to read something that Jesus says, and then Jesus even unpacks it for us later on. He kind of does that little bit for us. So we're not even, there's nothing really that I'm going to say this morning that is any different to what we're going to get in this passage anyway. But because Jesus says it's so important, we're just going to pause and try and take this in this morning. So we're going to go from verse 1. And it says again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, so just quickly, let's just get that picture. Jesus is on a boat. There's crowds, crowds of people that have come to hear him speak. And what Jesus is going to do, he's going to talk to people about what happens when he talks to people. That's what's going to happen. So this morning I'm talking to people about what happens when Jesus talks to people about what happens when we, something like that. That's what's going to, that's what's going to happen this morning. But verse 3, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still others fell on good soil. It came up and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, what we said earlier on, whoever has ears, let him hear. And we'll just jump forward to verse 13, which we read before. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer, so this is where Jesus is going to unpack what the parable that he's just said. The farmer sows the word and some people, some of us, some people that are in the crowd are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word, what was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last just a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And still others, like seen, seeds sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in, and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. And others, like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So this morning we're going to look at these four different soils that Jesus talks about. And the first one that Jesus talks about in verse 4 is the seed that falls on the path. So verse 4, Jesus says, As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. 
And in verse 15, Jesus unpacked that and he said, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. I think the thing, we're going to break each of these four soils into like a thing which I think is the main takeaway for this morning. And for the pathway, the seed that fell on the path, I think the lesson we need to learn this morning is to keep your heart soft. We need to keep our heart soft. These people that Jesus is talking about here, I think, are the kind of people where it's that kind of in ear, one ear and out of the other ear. It's they've never really got any intention of doing anything other than just listening and then just going. You know, you, you can see you can see it in kids, can't you, when you say and you know they've not listened. They just kind of look nod, and then they're off because they completely know what they want to do. But this is the kind of thing I think that Jesus is talking about. And this this ground this, this soil, basically what happened is it had become hard. So from my reading, I was reading how um, back in this time, the farmers, it wasn't like it is now. If you um, go up to the Lake District for a day, you will see the fields that have those nice cobbled um, bridges, which make us feel all cozy and nice. And isn't that lovely? Nice fences, some hedges, a field for this, a field for that. Everything's kind of nicely delineated one from another. But apparently in this time, it wasn't quite like that. They just they threw the seed all over this space that they had and wait to you know, they, they held the breath to see what happened. But what did happen was there were the pathways that people kind of forged themselves. So they walked over the path, and it, as they walked, that ground just kept getting trodden down, trodden down, trodden down, until it became hard. That surface became very hard, and the seed couldn't get through the hardness of the ground. So what I think this is saying is that some of us are a bit like that ground, We've become a heart, and all this is about our heart, has become hard. So that means whenever we hear the word, whether it be at church, reading the Bible at home, on a podcast, talking with friends, connect group, whatever it might be, when we hear the word, it sits on the top, but because it's hard, it doesn't actually go through to the soil and has no chance of producing fruit, and it's just there to be taken. Maybe, just like the path, this happens to us because we feel like we have been walked over at times. Maybe there's been things that have happened in life where we felt manipulated or taken advantage of, and we felt like people have walked over us to the point it has produced a hardness in us. We thought, I'm not going to let that happen again, and you let your heart get hard. It could be a disappointment, a frustration, a sense of disillusionment. Maybe at some point you had hopes of something, but over time, for whatever reason, you've just got tired, fed up of that, and you've allowed your heart to not be soft, not to be this, this fertile place that, can, that seed can grow in, but it's become hard. The other thing maybe is maybe pride or success. Maybe you've done well at something, and in some way you've kind of shrugged your shoulders back, and it's right, that's it, I've got it down. I don't need to be told what to do. Do they not know? This kind of thing, that can give us a hard heart. If any of you have ever um, had me over for a meal in an evening or something like that, you may know that I don't like fish. 
don't like fish. You know, it's just one of those things. I don't like fish. I'll be honest with you. I've, I, I probably tried fish when I was a child. I don't think I really liked it. I've not tried it recently. It might be that I really like fish, but I've, I've decided I don't like fish. Okay. I've had people try to persuade me. Tom, oh, you should try this fish. You'd written, no, I don't like fish. My, my response is the same every time. But if you had it in one of these fish curries, you can bet I don't like fish. And I, the same response I'll give back every single time. Have you been to the restaurant? I don't like fish. I don't eat fish. And that's, and that's what I nearly didn't share this story because I thought one of you mean people might invite me around for a meal and you're going to give me fish. Well, I'll tell you right now, I don't eat fish. I don't eat fish. I won't eat fish. I said I could like it. It might be that I could taste it and it would be the best thing that I've ever tasted in my life. People have tried telling me it's good for you, Tom. You should eat the fish. People have even tried to, well, Jesus ate fish, Tom. Jesus, you should eat fish and tried me on those grounds, right? I don't eat fish. Right, it stays the same. Like I will say the same thing time and time. I don't eat fish. Right, and that's a, a, a ridiculous example. But in some kind of way, my heart has grown hard towards fish. Right, I'm not going to eat fish. I'm telling you now, it's not going to happen. Now, it's all funny with fish, isn't it? But we know that there are times in life when people might want to input into us, might want to say something to us. But we've allowed our heart to grow hard, even though what they're saying is good for us and is going to be for our better. We sometimes get so hard in what we, in what we think in our, in our heart that we just ignore it. I can think of times where someone has, has of, of course, this was long in the past. It doesn't happen anymore. But I can think of times where people have come to me and said, Tom, I've just noticed, mate, you know, maybe they're just trying to really put themselves on the line, maybe just step it up, say, Tom, you know, maybe if, if, I just noticed you're just a little bit grumpy or something like that. I'm not grumpy. I'm not. And like, poor person puts themselves on the line to try and help, try and input into me. But my heart has been hard, so I'm not able to receive what they're going to say. And I think this is the kind of thing that Jesus is touching on here. And we could talk for a long time about what we do about this, how we soften our heart. But there's just a key thing that I want to look at this morning, just quickly, before we move on to the next soil. And I think one of the big things, the huge things that I think gets massively overlooked, is the thing that keeps our heart soft to God is our obedience to him. I think it's obedience that keeps the heart soft. It's when we listen to his word, when we read his word, and when we respond. In this uh, little bit that, that we just read, Jesus talks about understanding the scriptures. Now, honestly, understanding is not just like in our, in our brains, cognitively getting our mind, you know, be able to uh, understand it in that sense. Understanding with Jesus, because he's talking about our heart, he's talking about experience. We understand something when we experience it. When we respond to God and actively engage with his word. Okay, when we actively engage, when we respond, when we put into practice what we hear, the seed that is sat on top of that soil suddenly goes deeper down where it can't be taken by the birds or when the enemy cannot get hold of it. When we obey, it moves from being on the top to being underneath. For those of us that were here last week, Jack told that story um, about how uh, a long time ago he knocked into someone's car and he kind of left it, but he felt God was telling him he should go back and, and, and tell the guy and make it right with him. And Jack put it off and he put it off and he put it off. And then he said, eventually he went back and he made it right and suddenly something changed. And it's like as soon as he actually responded to the word, that seed that was just sat on the surface that could have been taken away was, it goes deep down 
into the soil where then it leads to fruit. It leads to fruit. Now, I find this amazing because this, this explains to me why it is possible that we can sit through so many talks and sermons here at church, at events, at conferences, on podcasts, on the TV, DVDs, whatever it might be. We can hear all of this stuff. But then when we don't actually put it into practice, it's open to being stolen. You know, you can, I, and I, I believe, you can listen to... I don't know, name your speaker. You can listen to T.D. Jakes. You can listen to Joyce Meyer, N.T. Wright, if you want something a bit like that. Um, Oswald Chambers, whatever it might be. You could listen to me in a little industrial estate building. But it's only when we respond to it that the seed will go deep down. That's what makes the difference. Whatever we hear in our mind, when we just hear it, we hear it. We think, oh, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Unless we respond, it means the next week at church, we're bored. We need something else. We need our minds to be activated again. But none of it matters because none of it has left the top of the, of the grass and just gets getting picked away and taken away. So we need to keep our heart soft. We need to practice um, and put into practice what we hear from the word because otherwise our heart remains unchanged. The next soil that we're going to look at is the rock. In verse 5 it says, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, so this is where Jesus is unpacking it in verse 16. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Because when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So here Jesus is talking about the kind of person that receives the words, they respond with joy, with enthusiasm, but as soon as something happens in life, they wither because they have not got roots. As soon as they get distracted, as soon as there's um, another temptation elsewhere or whatever it might be, suddenly they're gone. And I find this is so, so sad to see. And you know, see, you see this in church over the years. You see people that might start coming to church. They might give their life to Jesus. They might be enthusiastic. They come into everything going every Sunday morning, every small, every, you know, whatever's going on, they'll be there. They might even bring their family. They might even bring their friends. They are, they are pumped. I mean, everyone's thinking, oh, that's amazing what is happening. But so often, and it's, it's awful, it's horrible, Suddenly, one week, they're not there. And then the next week, you don't see them again. Maybe the week after that, they're there, but they just look like they're not quite the same person as they were a few weeks ago. And then soon enough, they've, they've gone. They've gone. Whatever it might be, whatever has happened, whatever has changed, what was once life and flourishing suddenly has shriveled up and it's been choked and it's gone. Now this... If you agree with me, this is confusing. It can be confusing, this. I've, I've struggled with this at times. Well, how can this happen? How, 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 can, how can someone, how is it possible if we talk about God being so good, so amazing, how can suddenly someone accept that and then walk away? If God is really that good, how can that be possible? 
How can that happen? How, that doesn't make any sense. We talk about how good God is. Like, we sort of look at ourselves. Am I doing something wrong? Are we doing something wrong? All this stuff, which, you know, I'm not saying they're bad questions to ask. There might be things we do better, of course. But essentially, this can be confusing. And you think, why does this happen? I've even seen people really doubt, almost doubt their faith when this happens. Doubt the church. Doubt what they believe. Because it's, it's um, confusing and discouraging. But we can take courage because in this passage, Jesus tells us, that this will happen. He says it will happen. I love that in the parable, the sower just continues to throw out the grain though. He doesn't say, right, that's it. I'm not going to throw it over there. He just continues, continues to throw the grain out all the time, hoping that something takes root. But Jesus tells us that this will happen and we should expect it. So we're just going to look, before we move on quickly, just a few ways of what we can look at to make sure um, that this doesn't happen to us. And the, uh, what we need to do, of course, is to grow roots. We need to grow roots. And we've talked about this time and time again, spending time in God's word, praying, I think being part of church, committing ourselves to church, to one another, investing in community, fellowship, giving of our time, giving of our money, giving of who we are, building something more than just our own little kingdom, but building the kingdom of God. This stuff so often, it's not the glamorous stuff. It's not the glamorous stuff that kind of makes us, you know, go, well, hey, this is really exciting, but it's, this is what the, the rooting is. It's becoming investing and giving yourself, not just when it, it's comfortable, not when you feel like it, not just short time and moving on here and there, but actually taking root so you can grow and produce the kind of fruit that Jesus wants to see in your life. Okay, quickly moving on, the thorns. I think this is a big one, especially um, for those that are in church today. <laughs> I think some of the others, it might mean that we're not in church this morning, but the thorns, I think, is a big one. And Jesus talks about it in verse 7, where he says, Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. And then in verse 18, Jesus will unpack that for us. He says, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, they hear the word, they hear it, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So we've had to keep your heart soft, grow deep roots, and this one I've called keep your focus. You need to keep your focus. There's three things that Jesus lists there. Three things that are these weeds or the thorns. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. The worries of this life. (laughs) The worries of this life. I mean, that can be from small things of, oh, I've not got any food to cook tomorrow, I need to get this sorted, oh, the house is a mess, well, oh, I've got that project for work tomorrow, whatever it might be, to the bigger things, you know, the, you know, the bigger, more 
I don't know, health, what you're going to do with your life, all these worries. But Jesus says the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. Who in here has felt just that kind of approach them in some sort of way in the past week, two weeks, month? I mean, that's something that I, I fit all the time, these things. These thorns, they're around. But Jesus in this passage makes, I think, an intentional and a definite warning against these things because they can choke the life out of something that's growing. So we could read this passage and we could interpret it, and I think people have done this throughout you know, church history or even today it happens. We could read this that we need to pack everything up quickly. Let's pack up our homes. Let's quit our jobs. We need to find a massive field in the middle of nowhere and we'll get some tents and we're going to live there away from all the distractions, all the temptations of the world and we'll sit and we'll you know, have a bit of come by our my Lord and we'll have none of that around us. But I don't think that is what Jesus is saying here. I don't think that at all is what Jesus is saying because Jesus says that we need to be um, in the world but not of the world. But he is saying, I think, what Jesus is saying here is that we need to have, because remember, let's not take this, this is a parable. Jesus is really talking about our heart. So what I think Jesus is saying is that we do need some distance between our heart and all these things. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. And this isn't to say, this isn't to say that any kind of wealth is not of God and it's evil or anything like that. Just to clear that up, I don't believe that for a moment. I believe in a God who is generous. I believe in a God who wants to give abundantly to us. We just sang earlier on, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. Perfect in all of your ways. I believe in a God who wants to give good gifts to us. But the warnings, and Jesus says this, that we can only serve one master. Matthew 6, 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. That's pretty black and white, isn't it? (laughs) You cannot serve both God and money. And in the world that we live in, materialistic world that we live in this is this is hard you realize that when you follow Jesus it's not just a Sunday thing Jesus is calling us to a a completely different way of life and way of thinking and this is where so many people struggle it's hard it's hard stuff but it leads to freedom and what it comes down to is that God wants to be and we know this (laughs) God wants to be first place in our heart. Again, Jesus is talking about our heart. (laughs) That's what he's talking about here. Jesus wants to be the king of our heart. He doesn't want a little democracy in your heart where you, you go to this person and that person. You might consult with God for his opinion on the matter. No, God wants, he wants to be first place in our heart. It says in the Bible that God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share his throne with anything else. He wants to be number one. He doesn't want to share his glory. He doesn't want to share it with money or wealth or whatever this other stuff is. He wants to be number one. Again, that stuff, it's not that we have to run away from all the other stuff. But there needs to be distance between our heart and all of those things. 
We sang earlier that song, For Me, Only Jesus. Let my heart want for nothing more, only Jesus. And really that's what this comes down to. For me, only Jesus. For the guy that I work with, it might be more than that. It might be he wants all this and that and the other and he's pursuing that as number one. There might be people in your family that think that you are crazy for decisions that you make. There might be people in your friendship group that they, they think that you are insane. But because the reason is because for them it's not only Jesus. It might be not Jesus at all. It might be Jesus second place after that, but only once I've got this set up and my house and my career sorted and I've got my relationships figured out and, I, and then Jesus. But for me, only Jesus. And that's what makes us different to others because our heart should be, for me, only Jesus. Only Jesus. Money, career, friendships, houses, even politics sometimes, these things have the power to choke, to choke the life out of something that God has put within you, his word. Those seeds have the potential for such life, such life. But there are these things, these thorns that will try to choke This morning, I, I believe that I'm bringing God's word. Um, say anything about me. I'm, I'm reading from the Bible. I'm, I'm reading a parable to you. So I believe that what I'm saying, whether you're engaged right now, whether you're bored, whether you're thinking of something completely different, I've no idea. But I believe, and that's why I'm here, that um, I believe that when I speak these words, I believe it has the potential, the potential to lead to life. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think that. I wouldn't have given my time to planning this week and being here this morning if I didn't think there's potential of life. But this, I believe, has the potential to lead to life and to fruit in your life. But I know, because Jesus didn't say if, he said when, when these things come. Later today, there are going to be thorns that try to choke, choke this seed. Even now it might be happening with just worries of life, concerns, thinking about this, thinking about that. There will always be thorns that try to choke. But we need to keep our focus. We need to keep our focus, which is Jesus. So how do we prevent this before we move on to the good soil? How do we pre- prevent this? Again, we could, do a, we could talk about this a lot. <laughs> we could talk about different ways that we, can be, that we can prevent this. But one thing that I want to just focus on this morning that I felt um, um, was, was, was right to talk about this morning is for me, right, in my life, and I struggle with this all the time. I've struggled with it in the past. I will still struggle with it because of these thorns, these things. We live amongst it and it's going to happen. But for me, it's being committed and diligent in doing the things that I believe God has led me to do. The things that God has put on my heart, the God, things that God has spoken to me about, it's just having a mentality of being completely committed and diligent in doing these things, whether it be reading the Bible, praying, serving in the church, serving in the things that I do in my ministries, my giving in the community, in the fellowship that we have. It's having this, what I've, called, I've, I've written down, a, a righteous stubbornness. 
That's what I've called it, having a righteous stubbornness that in whatever the temptation that there is, whatever is going on in life, I've just, I try to have this righteous stubbornness of just keeping my eyes forward, even though there are temptations all around which I could easily move towards. And sometimes I have done that. Of course I do that. But it's trying to always have this just, this, this almost militant, like I'm not going to turn to the left. I'm not going to turn to the right. I'm going to keep my eyes straight on Jesus because all these thorns are trying to choke they look glamorous they can look attractive but we know really what they're trying to do they're trying to suck the life out of us the life that Jesus died that we might have and he called it life and life to the full The only thing I can think of is a stupid thing but have you ever been like in a restaurant or something and you're adding up uh, maybe a list of the, the, the food to pay and you're kind of going to write um, a burger, eight pound, Coke, two pound, seven pound, add four, four, 19, 24. And then you'll often get that clown that goes three, seven, nine, 12, just trying to throw your mind as you're calculating it. And you've just got to try and plug your fingers in your ears and just carry on going, even though they're trying to like <laughs> throw you off. It's kind of like that. There's going to be things, voices, stuff that tries to throw us off. But again, that righteous stubbornness. I pray for us this morning that we have a new righteous stubbornness. Like, no, no. Because sometimes we potter, oh, that's something we move around, you know, like Jesus talked about the sheep, you know, just following one another. But we, no, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm struggling with this at the moment. I'm struggling with that. There are things that are trying to pull for my attention but I'm going to pick up my Bible, I'm going to read it because I decided that I'm going to do it. When I was in a good place, when I was feeling positive, when I was feeling close to God, I decided that was a good thing. So I'm going to decide that that is true and not how I feel today. How I felt when I made that decision, I need to trust in that and not today. Okay? Because how I feel change all the time. It changes minute to minute sometimes. But we keep going, we keep pressing on and have this righteous stubbornness that I'm not going to get distracted. I've decided, you know, I've decided to follow Jesus. It sounds like a nice, but it's not. I've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back, no turning back. And you just keep going and you keep going and you keep going and it's hard, but the result of it is fruit. It's life. Finally, just quickly, the, the last soil that Jesus talks about is the good soil. Verse 8, he says, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And again, we've already got Jesus who's, who's broken this down for us. And he says, Others like seeds sown on good soil. They hear the word and they accept it and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times of what's sown. Some of the soils that we've, you know, we've been talking about these soils, it can sound, it can be in sound a bit, oh, this is hard work. Why is Jesus telling us to do all this stuff? It's hard, it's difficult. But it's not because he's just a taskmaster that wants us to do what he says. It's because it leads to fruit. This is what it all comes down to. Jesus talking about some will, they will hear it, they'll accept it and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And so my final point this morning is simply to flourish. 
We need to flourish. Here is where Jesus shows us that all of this is about fruit. Now, can you see fruit in your life? If you just for a minute, just back up. You don't have to tell anyone. I'm not going to get you to write it down. I'm not going to, you're not going to share it with anyone. But if you, just a really quick recce, it might take some more thought. But over the past year, have you seen fruit compared to what was happening a year ago? Six months ago? Even a week ago? Are you seeing fruit produced in your life? If not, as we've looked at, this parable suggests that maybe your heart has become hard, you haven't grown deep roots, or you've lost your focus. And we need to address these things, because as Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand the rest of them? Jesus is saying there is something fundamental here. Jesus is brilliant. Like the, the, the insight that Jesus has into the human heart and the human condition in this passage is, is frightening. You read a passage like this and Jesus is just stares deep into your heart. All that stuff that you can cover up and hide with everyone else and even yourself. Like Jesus is staring deep into our heart because he wants our heart. And he wants us to have life. When we are in good soil, we will grow and Jesus says that there could be huge fruit. A crop of 30, 60, some 100 times of what was sown. Even in a relatively small room like this. Right? The fruit that has, the, we've got a potential for fruit in this room that is amazing. Jesus, 100 times what was sown. All right. However many of us are in the room right now, times by a hundred. <laughs> I'm not just talking about people. I'm talking about in, 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 in what you do in your everyday life. Jesus wants to see fruit. He wants to see life and us flourishing in all the different places, all the different things we do in our work, in our businesses, in our friendships, in our family. He wants to see life. He wants to see things flourish. And when we're in good soil, when we, when we deal with that hard heart, when we deal with the, the, the fact that we might not have deep roots or when we've lost our focus, this is where these things come from. People that you look at and you admire because they seem to have some sort of um, relationship with Jesus that you want, it's not come by accident, it's become because it comes because they're serious about this stuff, because they want their life to be in good soil. Just to finish, um, do you know the band want to come back up maybe and just start playing? I think sometimes with all of this stuff, we can see other people. And again, this is one of those things that can be confusing for us. Like, similar to how I was saying earlier on about when people come to Jesus and they leave, I think something else that can be difficult is sometimes in life, we come to church, we might read our Bible, we might pray, we might do all this stuff. And we look at someone else, maybe he doesn't know Jesus, and it looks to us like they are flourishing like unbelievably. 
And you think, well, how is that possible? I keep getting told at church, <laughs> I keep getting told that if you want your life to be together, then you need to um, come to church, you need to read your Bible, you need to worship, you need to do all this kind of stuff. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, there's that guy at work. He drives this car, he lives in that house, he's got a family, he seems to have everything absolutely perfect. And he doesn't know Jesus. How can that make sense, Tom? You're lying to me. I don't need to do that stuff. I think that's... Uh, Alive, some of us might be in our back of our minds. Even this morning, you might have been thinking that. I think some of us have been struggling with this because you're looking at your life and you're thinking, there are people around me that seem to have so much more fruit than what I've got. And, and I think you're tired of it. You know, you look at people's social media and all that kind of stuff, going on holiday here, doing that, kids going, all these fun, all this stuff, and you, you're not, for whatever reason, you're looking at it and thinking, well, why is that not true? Well, I picked this up from the uh, tables over there. This is a flower, as you can see, and it's got a nice, I don't, I don't know much about flowers, but that's got a lovely shape for a flower. It's got some fruit here. And it doesn't seem, it always looks like that, doesn't it? It doesn't change. But it's because it's plastic. <laughs> it's a plastic flower. Even the water, it's fake water. It's not, look, it doesn't. <laughs> but sometimes we look at people, don't we? And we think, wow, they've got fruit. They've got it all together. But there is not one little bit of life in this thing. There's no life here. It looks nice. This thing down here, there's some life there. Look at that. I mean, that's not going to win any awards for the greatest plant of the year or anything. Right? But there's life there. There's life there. Sometimes we look at people and we compare ourselves I'm not judging these other people. I don't know what's going on in their heart. There may be some legitimate fruit there. I have no idea. I have no idea. But it's not our concern. Our concern, again, is our heart. And Jesus has got plans for every single person in this room. And he knows, he sees in you whatever you think about yourself, about your education, Whatever you think about your past, let's put that there. Jesus sees flourishing and he wants to see life. So all of this stuff, it's not heavy, it's not hard that we need to deal with. It's because he sees the best in you. He sees a future in you. He sees someone or when he puts his seed of his word in your heart, it can grow. And something wonderful can come from it. Shall we stand? King Jesus, we stand before you today saying that we want our eyes to be firmly on you. With all the distractions of this life, all the things that we battle with and we fight with this morning, we say enough. We want to look at you and say, for me, only Jesus.
Let my heart want for nothing more. Only Jesus. For me, only Jesus. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.